L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversation with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb, and welcome in to All Ball. All Ball is our all-basketball podcast. NBA, college, McDonald's, All-American game, hoop! Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of Cole Anthony. I can't wait to see where he plays. He's, an, he's a stud. He's a killer. Uh, he has yet to decide where he's going. And he has, he has this thing that Greg has, and... Um, it's interesting. Like, look, I'll, we'll talk about the NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16. Uh, we have Travis Steele, who's going to join us, Xavier's head coach, going through one year, lost in overtime in the second round of the NIT to Texas the other night. Kind of have to spend some time with us here in the All Ball podcast. But I want to tell you a little bit about, about Cole Anthony, who's um, an unsigned senior, said he's going to decide sometime in, in April. Um, he, he's, he's very much Greg Anthony's son in that he has a – remarkable amount of let's just say toughness he's got a little a-hole in him not gonna lie to you which you have to have the way in which the position is played uh and the way in which you 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 lead in basketball so cole anthony i think it's oregon and georgetown and duke and carolina and you know all the the the, some of some of those usual suspects i would have thought kansas would have had a better shot but apparently not uh probably because they have dotson who's coming back and I think he's going to be just an absolute stud. Maybe he's going to be the maybe he's the fastest player in college basketball. But uh, 
If you haven't seen Cole Anthony scoring point guard, needs to shoot a little bit better, but has remarkable athleticism, tremendous toughness, can play both ends of the floor, and he's he's like his dad in terms of being a a leader and a guy who brings everybody together and and like his dad has like just a remarkable amount of leadership and toughness. There's no doubt whoever gets him will be in the conversation of competing for a national championship because if there's one thing we've learned, you you got to have good league guards. You just do. Now, th- that brings us to last week in the NCAA tournament. Looking forward to this weekend in the NCAA tournament. Think about what led, you know, Maryland to getting beat by LSU. Can't get one stop on a switch. Really, that's what happened to Iowa with Tennessee. They kind of got to stop, and then you let your hands down and put your hands down, and then your point guard hits a three over you and ends up sending it into overtime. Can you get one stop? That's really kind of the difference, obviously, in between championship teams and teams that, that fall by by the wayside. Um, let's go through the matchups really quickly. Florida State beat Gonzaga last season, and they present um, a, a remarkable list of challenges, most notably their size and prodigious length inside, right? Um, and, you know, when you bring off the bench uh, Mfondu, who's just an absolute, he's just improving seemingly with every game. You know, I know he was productive early in the season, but boy, late, you know, this, this last weekend, he showed an, a, a remarkable uh, ability to, to dominate. And then I, they're good and long in their backcourt with three shot makers in Terrence Mann, Trent Forrest, and MJ Walker. Um, my, my fear for, for Gonzaga is it does sometimes take them a little bit of time to adjust to the length of the opponent. Now, uh, Baylor didn't take them a ton of time, and obviously they were just so much better than FDU. I have Gonzaga moving on, but I do think this is going to be a game which Gonzaga struggles for at least a little bit. Brandon Clark's become their best player. He continues to improve seemingly every time he takes the floor. What a remarkable story from a guy who was 6'2", his senior year in high school. Purdue-Tennessee feels like a mismatch to me, and I'll tell you why. I've seen Purdue in person a couple times, and this is one of Matt Painter's best, not just coaching jobs, but it shows his program and why it works. And you have guys that fit roles and, and, and don't turn the basketball over and one go to score. But you know, the strength of Tennessee is Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, right? And one of them is going to be matched up with Grady Eifert. And I just, I don't know how Purdue wins that matchup. They just don't. And if, when I watched Minnesota beat them in the Big Ten tournament, it was Jordan Murphy. You know, everything they did was to try and get Jordan Murphy and Grady Eifert isolated at the top of the key, and Eifert would have to give him space, and he would still, you know, not even make a move, just drive right at him, shoot over, or drive left and spin back to his right. Schofield's a better offensive player, I believe, than Jordan Murphy. Jordan Murphy's got kind of a unique guy. I mean, this, Schofield's more skilled. So as a shooter, especially a 41% three-point shooter, I just, I feel like that line's off. I don't think that Purdue has, Purdue usually beats you with age, toughness, and some skill. If Purdue can shoot the lights out of the basketball, sure. But I don't know if there'll be that many openings against this stingy Tennessee squad. I love Tennessee in this game. All right, let me give you my quick thoughts on Texas Tech taking on Michigan. Two outstanding defensive teams. Um, Something you might not know about Texas Tech is, they feel like 
they missed a golden opportunity last year to beat Villanova because they missed so many shots around the basket. And if you know how Villanova plays defensively, where they show you their hands and they play very physically with the rest of their body, that's essentially, essentially how Michigan plays. They also load to the basketball and dare you to throw those skip passes and flare, set flare screens. I think that Texas Tech's got a great shot to beat them because they have just more offensive weaponry, and that's not really what Michigan has. Michigan beats you with, with enough shot-making, toughness, intelligence, defense, um, they just wear you down with their defense, but they also play physically and, and show you their hands, but, but bump you going to the basket and going up for post-up shots. That's exactly what Villanova did. And Texas tech, like they made it a point the entire season that to, to practice what they call Villanova shots, which are finishing shots kind of over pressure, uh, over, over body pressure. I think Texas tech wins this game. I think it's going to be a great, great, great. Um, Oregon taking on Virginia. This one's interesting. You know, um, obviously Oregon has what I like about Oregon is because they play multiple styles of zone defense and they press. Uh, I think they can match up pretty well with, with Virginia. You know, the, the difference with Oregon is Peyton Pritchard playing so much better. Yes, they weren't healthy, but Peyton Pritchard wasn't playing well. Now he is. And when you have a point guard started in the final four, when you have a guy who's a really good shot maker, um, and I don't think that the, the pressure that Oregon puts on you defensively is going to affect them nearly as much, uh, Virginia nearly as much. I don't know if Oregon can win the game, but I definitely think it's close. That's like an eight and a half point spread. I feel like, you know, Oregon's got to make some shots in order to get set up their defense. But if they can, I think they match up really well. I could be crazy, but I think they match up really well with, with Virginia. Michigan State LSU, I cannot uh, undersell just how how very average athletically Michigan State is. Now, remember, they lost two lottery picks. They lost Langford. Um, and LSU is off the charts athletic. I think LSU wins this game. Cassius Winston's been amazing. I don't know how he gets some of these shots off. He's a clever finisher. They just don't have a ton of scoring. And, and somebody's going to look back at Michigan State losing, and they'll say, well, Michigan State lost in the Sweet 16. Like, yeah, they won the Big Ten, won the Big Ten tournament, got to the Sweet 16 all with one score, starting a freshman wing. North Carolina-Auburn, it's starting to feel like North Carolina's tournament to win. You know, they just they have so much offensive weaponry, and Kobe White continues to improve as a, as a, as a playmaker. Um, they can, their bigs can shoot and stretch you out. I like Carolina big. I think Virginia Tech beats Duke. And I wouldn't be surprised if Houston beats Kentucky. Those guys are just junkyard dogs. They have a ton of depth. They are unafraid. That will be a a phenomenal, phenomenal game. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This summer, click into Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot and get after those outdoor projects with some serious cordless power from RYOBI. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the RYOBI 40-volt battery-powered mower. Leaves and debris are no match for the 40-volt power of the RYOBI leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Tidy up those flower beds and keep your walkways looking sharp with RYOBI's 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Yard work, done and done. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. Shop now at The Home Depot or homedepot.com. How doers get more done. Let's get you to uh, our guest for the week. He's the new head coach of Xavier's coach for an entire year now. They just lost to Texas in the NIT. His name is Travis Steele. He joins me on the All Ball Podcast. Let's welcome in the first-year head coach of the Xavier Musketeers. Travis Steele joins us here on the All Ball Podcast. Travis, how are you? I'm doing well, Doug. How you doing? Good, man. Um, I want to get to your team. I want to get to this year. But um, the way I like to do it is like, Look, I think we all have our own unique basketball story, right? And like when you read in a bio and sometimes you read it uh, in, in, a, in a magazine or a newspaper article, like it just, it's not, not the same when it comes from you, especially, you know, a ball guy to a ball guy. So you grew up where in Indiana? I grew up in a small town called Danville, Indiana, about 30 minutes uh, west of Indianapolis. Who's the best player ever out of Danville? <laughs> I mean, you could potentially, man, I'd say probably Travis Carroll who played at Purdue. <laughs> okay. Um, now, but he's not, how old is he compared to you? He is probably, he was about probably eight years younger than me. Actually, more than that. He was probably 10. Okay, so when you grew up, like, who was your, who were your guys? Like, were you, you were, were you an IU guy or a Purdue guy? You know, I was an IU guy. I was an IU guy. Big Bob Knight guy. Loved to watch. You know, whether it was Calvert Chaney, whether it was Alan Henderson, whether it was uh, Brian Evans, you know, like obviously Indiana had a lot of good players back in the day during that time. Uh, my, here's my best. I have, I have several really good stories because uh, 
Charlie Miller played with me. He he stayed with me two summers in AAU, stayed at our house. And then um, we were at the, what was it, the university games? What were those games called? I can't remember what those games were. We were like the World University Games, like tryouts in uh, Colorado Springs. So I hung out with him and Brian Evans. And they told me a bunch of good stories. But my my favorite <laughs> Indiana story is um, our my first road game in college basketball was at IU. I was playing at Notre Dame. And um, the year before, Notre Dame had beaten them in South Bend, and it hit like something like 15 threes, which doesn't seem like a big number now. But back then, and of course, as you remember, like um, Bob Knight yeah. did not exactly embrace the three-point shot. Like basically he said <laughs> that was a bullshit way to win, right? So they had a really good team. They had Brian Evans and Andre Patterson and Neil Reed and Charlie Miller and Todd Lindemann was oh, like yeah. a senior. Um, they had Sharon Wilkerson, who's, who's really talented. Richard Manville, who's an L.A. guy. Um, anyway... Oh, yeah. So they, they, they go up to, to Alaska for the Great Alaska Shootout, and they play UConn. And UConn has Ray Allen and Travis Knight and those guys. And UConn, I mean, just kicks the dog shit out of them, right? They beat them by 40 points. And so we go down to their place, and we know they're going to be pissed. They had, a couple day, they had like a couple days off before the game. We're like, man, we're gonna get, they're going to come out on fire. And so um, it was the, that year, 95, 96, they put down a new floor in assembly hall. And if you've ever played on a new basketball floor, it was like bouncy, like dudes are in layup lines and we're throwing down, feeling good about ourselves. So we're down. Oh, I think it was 40 to 14 at the half. And I, I, here's the things I remember. I remember when Knight and Bob Knight was, my dad was a, a JV player at Ohio state when Bob Knight was on the varsity and they went to those final fours. And so I knew coach Knight a little bit, and I just, I, I had no idea, like, you have no idea how big, he's like a big dude, right? Like, he was like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and, and dudes, in, everybody in the stands had their Adidas sweater just like him, and he'd walk out, and he had like an entourage, and it, it was crazy, like his presence, like you could feel his presence. So I remember that, and then I remember when, right before tip-off, when they play the fight song, and they go, hi, you, and then the whole place like shakes, um... And I remember running into the locker room at halftime, and it was right underneath, like the stand, the the right before the band and the student section, and they were chanting, "Don't come out, don't come out." And we were, I was thinking, "That's not a bad idea." We're down forty fourteen, anyway. So, so uh, we have like four freshmen, and our sophomore was Pat Garrity. Uh, we have a a senior, Ryan Hoover, is a good dude. At some point, I, we might even gone to the four freshmen, you know. So John McClack could go, "Hey, we're young." So I remember driving in and shooting a floater and Andre Patterson, he didn't block it. He caught it and he threw it. And I think it took out a lady in the third row. And, uh, and when he did it, he's like, no. So I thought nothing of it. I played okay. We go, we, we, we bust back to South Bend. We got beat by, I don't know, like 30 points or something like that. And you know how it is. You, you get back to your dorm room, you flip on the game and uh, sports center was on. And it was, are you ready for sports center? And all of a sudden, there's the highlight of me, UC44, Gottlieb, driving, shooting a floater. And out of nowhere, Andre Patterson catches the ball and goes, no! Right? That's my, that's my IU story for you. Did you, go to, did, you, now, did you go to games as a kid? Say that again now, Doug. Did, did you go to games as a kid? I did. I did. I went to several. All right, give me, give me, give me one that if you close your eyes, you're like, man, 
I mean, because they used to have that shootout at the Dome, right? The RCA Dome. Then they have high school games there at the Dome or the IU game. Give me the most memorable game you remember growing up in Indiana. Whew, I'd say the most memorable one. Um, well, you got to go to like always, always the rival games, right? You know, like Purdue, obviously Team Katie um, had it rolling at Purdue. Had it absolutely rolling. So I, you know, we had season tickets growing up to Indiana games, so... I would say any of the, you could go to back to any of the Indiana Purdue games, and I would tell you that they were all high level. Now I wish that, that I was actually at the game when I wasn't old enough when night night through the chair yeah. <laughs> across the court. I wish I could have seen that in person. Um, but you know, like you said, man, like Coach Knight, you know, I, I'd go to his camps when I was young too, and you know, you talk about like an imposing figure intimidated you know like when you go to his camp like he would address the camp at the very beginning and i'll never forget one of my uh one of my older brothers showed up late on the second day to overnight camp and <laughs> coach dockage at the time was, a, was an assistant coach there and they made my brother <laughs> wash his car he had to wash dockage's car he had to do, you know, run, you know, got embarrassed, you know. But again, like when you're at camp, like with with Coach Knight, man, you're like on your toes, you know. It's like you're sweating around him and making sure, you know, you don't you don't want to blink, you don't want to breathe. Um, but he he was a, uh, but he's like God in Indiana, you know. It is, man. When you grow up, man, obviously, you think of what Purdue had with Gene Cady and what you know, obviously Indiana had with Bob Knight at the time, man. Two of the better, two two of the best coaches of all time. Um, in the state, and that's why the rivalry was so big, um, because both guys uh, were terrific coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when did you know that you, this is what you wanted to do? I'd say at a really young age, man. You know, my older brother is a uh, is a college basketball coach, uh, John Gross. You know, we have the same mom, uh, different dads. Um, but, you know, he's, he's 12 years older than I am. And, you know, so growing up, man, I was kind of always his shadow. And, I was really, really, really lucky um, to also have a really, really good high school coach out of Danville High School. Um, his name was Todd Licklider, and obviously Todd ended up becoming the head coach at Butler, head coach at Iowa. Um, he's one of the best teachers that I've ever been around in, in the game, and so I was exposed to really good coaching at a young age. And so I kind of always knew that I'm, I'm five foot eleven, man. I'm not nearly as athletic as you were back in the day. I'm not gonna be a I'm not gonna be a great player, so you know what? I want to coach, and uh, so I was lucky man to have some really good mentors when I was young man. I knew I wanted to coach probably honestly when I was 11, 12 years old. That's interesting. I'm, I I know you played for Lick. Uh, did you did you think about? I know he's on he's on staff at Evansville. Did you think about bringing him back? Absolutely, absolutely, man. He, he, when I say he's a great coach, that that doesn't do him justice. Is how good he is, man. Like. He, uh, you know, if you think about like the, the Butler system, you know what I mean, like that they've had for years. A lot of that stems from Todd and, and Barry Collier, but Todd was was, was kind of there, ran the offense and stuff. Like, and you know, he uh, he's had such a big impact on a lot of coaches, whether it's Thad Mata, Brad Stevens, um, my brother, a lot of people. Man, he is a terrific coach. You know, he actually when I got the job here at Xavier, he had already accepted a job at Evansville. <laughs> yeah. Um, to go be with Walter, uh, Walt McCarty, and uh, I know he's going to do really, really well down there, man. That's a great hire by Walt. 
No, it's interesting when I when I've interviewed for jobs, I've I've talked to uh, Brad Stevens, and Brad's like, "Listen, you can hire anybody you want. Like, I would never, but if I was going to hire one guy and I was going to be a college coach, it'd be Todd Licklider. Like the guy, just he from practice times to to understanding offense to understanding, you know." Uh, how to prepare like he is the he's the ultimate coach's coach and for young guys like you and and guys like like walter you know guys that haven't done it before i mean it's an incredibly valuable asset asset to have um okay so so what about the decision in college because as even though you're downplaying how good you are like you could have played and you could have like played like could have done what brad did right played at DePaul. like what was what was what was what, what type of player were you coming out of high school I was a guard. I was more of a facilitator. Um, not a great shooter. I was more of a uh, ball handler, passer, you know, run your team uh, guy, you know. So, you know, and obviously, like you said, like I could have had an opportunity to play, but I, I knew I wanted to coach. You're always trying to, I think this profession's really hard to break in into, um, especially if you're not a big, t- big time player. Um, you know, so I try to go a little bit more of a creative path. You know, I went to Butler. Uh, that's where I went to school, um, which was only 30 minutes away, you know. And my brother at the time, and Todd Licklider at the time, they were both assistant coaches under Thad Mata uh, my freshman year uh, there. And then actually Thad ended up leaving after one year went down to Xavier. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to kind of create my own path, kind of get away from, you know, kind of get away from my brother and become my own guy. And so I decided to start coaching high school basketball, um, over on the west side of Indianapolis at Ben Davis High School, and then I coached AAU basketball, and, and then I just trained guys in Indianapolis, and there was a lot of really good players in Indianapolis at the time, so I was very fortunate to work with some really talented guys. Okay, let, let's go back a second. First of all, you don't know this, but the, um, the first game I ever called was that year you were at, when you were at Butler, in 2000, January of 2001. Uh, it was against TCU, Greedy Daniels, it was like a like I'm gonna say like yeah. I'm gonna go like January fourth or something. I'd never been to Hinkle before. This is obviously before Butler really kind of hit, and I was still pissed at Butler because the year before Scott Robish didn't take a charge against Florida in the first round. We uh-huh. played Florida in the Elite Eight. Florida's not in the Elite Eight. We go to the Final Four. Um, anyway, <laughs> so that was so. Yeah, I mean, think of. I mean, think yeah, this is Scott Robish, who still probably has eligibility considering the, a few amount of games he played, how how injured he was. Um, but but uh, think about that. Think about that staff, right? So you had Thad was the head coach, Lick was an assistant, Gross was an assistant. Who there was somebody else who was an assistant on that staff. That, that thing Mike was just Marshall. loaded, huh? Yeah, it was it was loaded. It was loaded. Mike Marshall was on yeah. staff as well, and actually, you know what, Brad Stevens. Yeah, was the volunteer like a like like a volunteer, right? Volunteer back then. So then, all of a sudden, he got promoted to director of operations um, in the fall. So he he, he quit his job, and it's a bit more documented as Eli Lilly job, and and, uh, and took a you know no he wasn't getting paid at all at Butler, and then all of a sudden he got promoted you know in the fall um, to the operations job, and so you think about that staff. I mean, <laughs> I mean that 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 knew how to hire. You know, he was a, uh, <laughs> he had a great staff. Did you have, did, I mean, honest to God, did you, did you think to sit there and go like, this guy's sitting next to me, like, you know, Brad Stevens, like, did you have any idea, any idea? No, no I mean, no. I mean, but like, obviously, you, you knew 
how intelligent he was. Um, obviously, his work ethic is, is off the charts as well. Um, you know, but no, it, I'd be lying to you if I sit. I could. I can't tell you right now. And I knew back then, but obviously, man, he is an incredible coach and an even better person, and he's one of the best in, in the entire world. Obviously. So you go and you decide I'm going to I'm going to coach at, at Ben Davis High School, which again I'm a Southern California kid. Spent one year playing college basketball in Indiana, and even I know about the history of of, of Ben Davis High School. Um, take take me through that process because you were still in college at the time, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I was. You know, and I, I wanted to get as much experience as possible, and and you and again trying to figure out a way to kind of like move ahead because obviously not a big player or anything like that so i try to have to pay try to pave my own path you know take my own path and and um you know ben davis gave me a great opportunity you know obviously it's a uh it, it's, it's got a lot of history a lot of tradition um you know there's been tremendous players come out of ben davis uh, over the years and i was really lucky i was able to work underneath a guy named steve witty who's one of the um probably the the, the most uh most winningest coaches, obviously, in the state of Indiana history. Um, but he, he was extremely successful. I mean, great coach. And he brought me on, and I was able to learn from him and coach on the fly. So sometimes I think the best experience that you can have is one thing being around it, but it's another yeah. thing, obviously, coaching, right, and, and doing it. And, and I was able to kind of start, you know, start my niche right then and there. And, and the one thing you learn right away, because I was almost basically the same age as, as, uh, as, the, kids, as the guys I was coaching, as you know, like, but even though I looked young, you had to be able to gain the respect right away, and you do that obviously through the preparation, through your work ethic, and showing them that hey, you can make them a better player. That was kind of my path. That was my way to kind of be able to coach those guys and gain their respect. And uh, man, it was it was an incredible experience for me, and uh, it allowed me to kind of it was kind of my foundation, gave me my foundation for my for my coaching career. Um. Okay, so uh, you're, you're doing all this. You're going to you're going to school at the at the same time. Do you remember what you ran? Like, what was your what was, what was your did you have an offensive philosophy? Because now you guys run a lot of really good uh, kind of what I would say advanced offensive offensive sets. Some of it there's has some limitations in terms of you know your personnel. Like, what you like? Yep. You're a college student. What'd you run for your offense? The stuff you ran in high school. Y- you know what. A, a little bit, you know, you know, but I would also take stuff from obviously Butler, you know, when I was there with, 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 with Todd and those guys, like, you know, you, you kind of saw, I saw what they were running. And so I would, we would run a lot of that stuff at, at Ben Davis. Um, you know, a lot of the ball screen stuff, you know, high ball screen, middle ball screen stuff. And, and, uh, we also run a little bit of, you know, like with, with high school kids, it's so different. You know, because you have a lot of a lot of times, like we had a lot of six foot four, six foot three. We didn't have a six nine guy, you know, <laughs> um, like like you do in college. So we'd run flex, we'd run kind of versatile offenses, to where we'd kind of get inside outside guys. Um, but but you're right. I mean, it's amazing. You, you you think back to when I was coaching high school basketball back in two thousand, two thousand you know two thousand two and all that. Like it's how how much offense has changed. <laughs> You know, over the totally, years, totally. point line, obviously. It, it's well, a I mean, like, different game. Well, it's interesting because it's like even I think even a lot of broadcasters are slow to to pay attention. Like, take Virginia; they're not running blocker mover anymore, right? They're not. No, they're they're not. They're 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 running ball screen. They're running spread ball screen action. 
Uh, they're not yeah. running that ball screen continuity stuff, whatever that 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 really Brad seemed to be the one who came up with. But yep. I mean, it just it's offenses comp- now. Some of it's changed. Um, and then Michigan State, they run kind of a one of their their series. They run is we we call the Cowboys. The old it's the old uh, Henry Iba offense. The, the kind of the two yep. one two yep. set. But so there there are some pieces, but motion basketball seems to have gone kind of away. Um, yeah, defenses have changed. Um, you know, everybody, when, when I was in, when I was playing and I graduated in 2000, everybody hard hedged a ball screen, like everybody. Mm-hmm. And now I'll, you can count on like one hand who hard hedges a ball screen. Some teams, you know, keep it on the side and ice everything. And most teams, yep. you know, they go over the, they either switch, or they go over the top and, and, and funnel it to a big guy. But it's, it's really interesting on how much, how much stuff has changed. All right. So then you went. And didn't you, then your next thing was, uh, under Thad, a grad, as after you graduated, you were a grad assistant, uh, for Thad, right? Yep. At Ohio State. Yep. I was there at Ohio State during Thad's first year there. Um, you know, obviously another, yeah, another really good staff there, man. You think that, cause you always kind of learn from the guys you're around. You know, and again, really lucky, man, that Alan Major, um, was there. He ended up becoming the head coach of Charlotte. Obviously my brother was there as well. And then, uh, Dan Peters. Who was a uh, terrific coach and terrific person as well was there on staff, so I was able to kind of soak up as much as I possibly could again, man, and, and uh, underneath that there at Ohio State. Why'd you go to Wabash Valley? That just that <clears> sounds know, like that I sounds like a de- that sounds like a desolate place, dude. Mount Mount Carmel, Illinois. Yeah, yeah no, it, it, it was. <laughs> it sounds about as bad as it, uh, it's as bad as it sounds. I can tell you that it, it's a uh, not good because I wanted to coach AAU and I wanted to recruit. And I wanted to kind of get out on the road a little bit, and and because uh, they made a rule that I could no longer coach um, AAU basketball while I was a GA at Ohio State, that became a rule. That's that's that spring and summer, and so you know I, I was heavily involved in AAU kind of in Indiana, and I wanted to coach, and and so I I, I devised the plan. Hey, you know what? I'm going to go to Wabash College for a year. Um, and, uh, I can coach because junior college, there are no rules. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can do whatever you want. So I coached AAU and I coached at the junior college level for a year. Again, I think just for me, I want to get experience doing it. And again, you know, just, you, know you, you do a lot and you work out guys and stuff like that, but I just wanted to kind of get out on my own a little bit and, uh, and get some experience of recruiting, getting out on the trail. I wanted to be seen. Sometimes I feel like, man, it's so hard again, not being a big name guy. If you're not out on the trail doing things, um, if you're in like an operations position and stuff like that, right. I think sometimes it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, you know. And sure, it's hard to move up in this business. All right, so you were coaching Spies, right? That your uh, that was that yep. was your team. Um, yep. Who who was who were the best players that you had back then for people who didn't follow the AU stuff? <clears throat> Man, we get, and I coached Spies in, in Indiana League. I had both, um, and we had some great players. We had Eric Gordon. Yeah. Um, who's obviously a phenomenal player. Um, we had, I, you know, one of my favorite players I've ever coached, Chris Kramer, played at Purdue. Oh my um, God, what a stud. Tough what a kid. stud. Tough kid. Tough oh my gosh. Kid. He was the same right, Like, like Purdue's, had, Purdue's had like five of these guys that they Brian Cardinals won. Win. I know, Brian, Brian Cardinals won, Chris Kramer's won, which, like, if they're on your team, you love them, they're invaluable. If they're not on your uh-huh. team... 
you you want to uh, my my brother was a was a cal they had a kid named Jorge Gutierrez now Jorge's bounced around played a little bit in the NBA it's a pretty amazing story a kid from Mexico um, he came here and he was like some prep school in Denver then he was at Finley and I'll never forget my brother gets a job at Cal and seven months later Ben Braun gets fired and Monty keeps him and I'm I think it was that off season he he took Jorge he was, and and basically he went to Finley and the guys are like look. You want to win? Take the Mexican kid. And Greg's like, the, the dude with the ponytail? He's like, yep. They're like, and, and what they said, and this, this, this will remind you of Chris Kramer and Brian Cardinal. Every game you play, the other team will have a guy who wants to fight him. And, it, and it's unbelievable. And, and it, it takes, it'll take somebody out of their game, and he just, makes, he just makes winning plays. And Jorge Gutierrez went on to become the Pac-12 player of the year. And that's... Uh, that's exactly, I'm like Chris Kramer and Brian Cardinal. And I could kind of go through the list of dudes, but those are the guys that make Purdue Purdue. Like, but how hard are they to identify? Like when you're coaching AU basketball, you love them, but how hard is it to sell college coaches on? Look, I understand that Chris Kramer might not be able to dunk. Okay. But you're going to win games in the big 10 because of him. How hard is that when you're talking to coaches? I think, I think it can be hard. I think as a college coach, man, sometimes guys get so blindsided by talent. Right? Oh my God! This guy's really long, or he's he's uber athletic. But at the end of the day, what wins is toughness. Right? At this level, I mean, like guys that want to compete, guys that understand it's bigger than them, um, guys that are tough. Um, and like we had the kid JP McCurry here the last few years, Xavier, and and I'm telling that's how JP was, and, and those guys win. And you think of like a program, and, and Purdue's got a great program. That's what they've been built on for a long time during Matt Painter, during his days, during, during Gene Cady's days, man. Like, kind of a blue collar approach. And, and you got to have guys like that. And I'll never forget, like, I went and saw, so I was recruiting for my AAU team, and I really wasn't recruiting Chris. <laughs> I went to go see a, a kid that he was playing against. And, like, I'm watching this game, and this other kid was supposed to be this highly ranked guy, or, you know, whatever. and and talented guy had all these high major offers. And like, I'm watching the game. I'm like, why the heck am I recruiting that kid? I didn't even look at Chris Kramer. <laughs> um, he was just all over the floor, diving on the floor, taking charges, you know, slapping the floor, you know, and, you know, just his enthusiasm and his toughness became contagious with his team. And, and you see how much, man, that just impacts winning, you know, and, and, uh, it's not always pretty, but he wins. But I do think sometimes college coaches, man, we all get blindsided with talent. But like at the end of the day, we just got to understand obviously what wins. Yeah, no, and, and it's it's hard because you want you want toughness, but you also need to get bucket getters and guys that that create shots. Yeah. Uh, so then you went and you worked for you worked for Crean, right? At when you went to to IU, was that was that a package yeah, I, deal I, with I, you and I EJ? Was with, I was with Kelvin Sampson for two years. Oh, God, I forgot it was I, Kelvin. I was, yeah, I was with Kelvin for two years. And, uh, you know, man, it was a, uh, Kelvin is a, uh, when you talk about, it, it's like you, you learn things from every stop that you're at, right? And, and, uh, man, he, he had a, uh, he's a terrific coach. Like what he's doing at Houston, <laughs> not surprising at all. You know I mean? No, we played, against, we, 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 we played against him when he was at Oklahoma and we always used to go like, these guys are terrible. We, we had no level of respect for most, and they had some guys now they had, 
They had, you know, Ryan Humphreys was there before he transferred to, to Notre Dame. They had, they had plenty of dudes, but we always just like, man, we have so much better players, but they would run this matchup zone and they were incredibly tough. I also, I don't know if you remember, like when he first got the job, I come up, came up and hang, hung out with him for a day, did a story, showed me his house and all that stuff. And, and the, that was when the, before they built the practice facility. Um, okay. Yeah. So give me your, give me your biggest, if you could, if somebody says, how has Kelvin Sampson been able to win so much? What is the what are the one or two things you take away as a coach from him? Yeah, I think number one, yeah, it, because he's a tough dude himself. His team takes on his personality. Man, he is a fighter. He is a fighter. I mean, that dude. But he, but he, and he's hard on his guys. But like the relationship piece that he has with his guys, it, those dudes would run through a wall for him. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Like, so his relationship, the thing that I, I was, I was eye-opening to me when I worked for him was how close he was with the players. Um, and how, and, and because of that, they would, they would run through a wall for him. And, you know, he's obviously a great coach, X's and O's wise. Um, but I think that piece, man, like, he's as good as I've ever been around, um, as far as that, just getting guys to play harder than they think they can even play, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So how do you how do you get guys to how do you get guys to play? Because because like I'll tell you what Eddie said when Eddie said Eddie said we would we, his whole thing was how hard you can play right like and yep. just put pushing guys buttons differently based upon their own personalities. You know, some guys they would some guys they would and, and Coach Sutton didn't curse, but some the assistants would would dog cuss you and get you going. Some guys he would, we had our best player was Desmond Mason, and Desmond was a non confrontational guy. Like if you came at Desmond, he would shut down. But if you said like we need five guys that play as hard as Desmond Mason, like for whatever reason that seemed to work. And then occasionally, if his attitude would slip, he would call his dad. We had a phone at midcourt. And he would pick up the phone, like practice is going on. Desmond would talk back. He'd, he'd, you'd see him talking on the phone. He'd hang up the phone. The phone would ring, and then it would be Coach Sutton like, hold on, Desmond, come over here. I called Johnny on the phone. I told him what, he told, what you told me, and now he wants to talk to you. And like, you'd hear this like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love you, too. Click. And then like all of a sudden, he was a new man. So what was Kelvin's trick to getting dudes to play hard? You know, I think, number one, he understood it. He knows who his audience is. Like he knew what pushed guys. You know, certain guys and you know, you had to be yelled at a little bit. Certain guys needed to be loved on a little bit more. But the and the thing that he would always do, man, even after practice, even if he was on a guy, like he would really he would he would show me he loved him, you know, cared about him. Again, again the relationship piece, man, I those guys knew it was more than just basketball, uh, their relationship with Coach Samson. Like they knew he loved him, cared about him as a person. And uh, you know, I think that went that that allowed him to go the extra mile with those guys, you know, and uh, something that they really cared. All right, so then you go and you work for Sean Miller. It was like it was a year under Sean, right? Uh, when you first yeah, got to one year under Sean, and I've known Sean forever, man. Like, cause, you know, Sean was was an assistant at NC State under Herb Sindek when my brother was an assistant there as well. And obviously, you know, Sean worked under Thad, so I've known Sean since I was little. You know, like I was, he used to work me out in, in Reynolds Coliseum down at NC State during the summer, you know, like, um, so I've known when I, when I was, you know, 11, 12 years old. So I've known him forever. And, uh, again, I was very fortunate, man, because, you know, it's like, we get fired, like, we get fired at Indiana, man. I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you right. know, and, uh, I was lucky, man. I didn't know if I wanted to coach college basketball anymore. I thought about just coaching high school again in Indiana. Um, 
and I was lucky then that, that Sean offered me a job as a director of basketball operations um, at Xavier. And you know, man, it's again you learn every you learn something from every spot you're at. And Sean, I think for me, he really showed me how to run a program. And you know, almost like you know, Sean's like a CEO. You know the way he kind of approached it, and you know it was very systematic in everything that he did. Whether it was you know skill development, whether it was uh, scheduling, whether it was you know how we put it in our offensive and defensive system, the identity of our team. Um, you know, he's just so he's so systematic in everything that he does, man. And and, and I, I think that CEO type of mindset uh, was different for me. I had never really seen that mindset. I've seen guys that could obviously really, really coach, but I thought Sean did a great job of that. I always thought, and every time I've been to one of his practices, I thought it was like a clinic, you know, like every practice you work on post feeds, you know, yep. catching the wing, uh, shot fake or ball fake, one dribble, improve your angle, deliver the pass. Like, I feel like, and and it, almost every coach that, and I know he hasn't been to a Final Four and there's some other stuff going on, but I, I do feel like almost every coach I've ever been to whose teams um, are elite, they, they, whether they say they're working on passing and catching and cutting and, and the fundamentals or whether they just say the fundamentals, they all seem to do it. Now, I don't, um, you know, like I, I don't remember when I was, like we didn't do a ton of it at Oklahoma State. Now we were naturally a good passing team because the person that we played a, th- a little bit smaller lineup than he had played. Um, but I, I do like I feel like he's his teams are as fundamentally sound offensively and defensively. You know, do I, I, I if I had a flaw to pick with him, it's that um, you know he needs to kind of open up the offense a little bit and free up the reins. But they play really hard. They're really physical. And he understands that, like, end of the day, you know, taking care of the basketball, getting turnovers defensively, winning the battle on the boards, like, that's what wins you basketball games. And he yep. does an incredible job of coaching those fundamentals. No, he does, man. He does. And, he, he, again, you think about basketball, it's like you said, man, working on catching, passing, dribbling, um, your footwork and your jump shot. Like, you know, a- every rep matters. Every rep mattered with him. And, you know, just the five, the littlest, the, the tiniest details, man, like the devil's in the details. And, like, he, he's, he, is a, uh, he is a great coach. A great yeah, coach. I think he's terrific. Okay, so, so, so he leaves and he goes to, he goes to Arizona. And uh, Mac takes over. And to some people that was yep. a little bit of a surprise. But, so you guys are, like, you guys are sitting in a room. And do you remember where you were when Chris, you found out Chris Mack was going to get the head coaching job? You know, I was here at Xavier, so I, when Sean when Sean decided to go to Arizona, that whole deal. I, mean, I was in Detroit. That was the Final Four, and I came back immediately because we were going to have a meeting. And then that's when he said he was going to Arizona. And then I knew Chris was obviously going to try to get the job, um, so I stayed here with him during that time. You know, it was like a week type time frame in between Sean um, you know, taking the Arizona job and Chris getting it. So I remember when Chris got it. Said he was getting the job. I was right in the office here in the Centos Center. <laughs> and did you did you think now? Did you think maybe I should go to I should go to Arizona? Like what was the what was the thought process? You know, I think the thought process for me though was like you know number one, like I, I really believed in Chris. I knew Chris was really, really, really good. And for me, I spent my whole career here. 
you know, you think about here in the Midwest, basically within a three-hour radius of of where I was, from, where I'm from in Danville, Indiana. So all my relationships, all my ties are right here. So I felt like this is the place where I could do the best job, um, you know, and I could learn again from a different guy. Is the way I looked at it, Chris. Because I knew Chris, you know, obviously we're going to do things very similar to how to how Sean did them. But, you know, Chris is going to obviously do things a little bit differently. And I want to kind of learn from him. And uh, I was fortunate he was able that he uh, kept me on staff. All Ball Podcast, Travis Steele is our guest. He's head coach at Xavier. What what allowed, like, as good as Xavier's program had been under all of the previous coaches, and there's an unbelievable list, right? Like, they've they've literally all been good. It's Mac, Mac took it to a higher level. Um, obviously, you know, you go back to last year, a one seed, um, and you know, winning the big East and like all, all of those things. Uh, what do you think separates Chris Mack as a coach from other coaches? You know, I think he is an incredible communicator. Um, again, he's another guy who really understands his audience, whether he's talking to a, a high school kid, or it's much different than talking to a, I'm saying a high school recruit or talking to a get kid that's on a grad transfer. You know, or talking to our team, talking to boosters, talking, you know, the, the, he understands his audience, I think, number one. And then number two, he, he is a, he is really, really, really organized in everything he does. Like, I'm sure he's got, um, practice number one already planned out for next year <laughs> at Louisville. It wouldn't shock me. That's how organized he is, man. And he knows exactly how he wants to put in his system to play offensively, offensively and defensively. There's a very organized, uh, process how he kind of goes about that he uh he's a great coach man he's an even better person and you know, i'm very fortunate to uh to work underneath him okay so you guys win 29 games you win the big east you get a one seed but you you, you lose in the second round and then he leaves for louisville and they left the job open for like i'm gonna say it felt like 10 days i don't know if it felt was it oh, was wait, it how, no, how long was it was it <laughs> How, what was it? What was it like to be you? Because look, again, we don't know each other that well. I know, I know your boy Luke Murray a, a lot better, um, yep. and I know everybody else in basketball, and I know like bits and pieces of all these guys that that, that are kind of in your basketball family, and they're all like, Travis is the guy. He's got to get the job. Travis is the guy. He's got to get the job. And I'm like, the longer it's, it's open, you're sitting there going. Well, maybe there's something maybe. they know about Trap, right? They're like, there's maybe there's something they got on him. Like maybe I don't know. Like, nah, he's, he's married. He's not, he's not fooling around. Like, he's a solid dude. Like, what is it? Why are they not giving him the job? What, how, what was that, whatever, two weeks like for you? You know, it was a, uh, it was interesting. I mean, I had, to, I had, a, I had a, uh, I had some other opportunities that were going on at the time. You know, other head coaching jobs, the positions that were open. And it was funny, man. I, I basically turned them down and I went all in on Xavier. And, you know, because number one, you know, I've been here obviously a really long time, and and uh, and I know obviously, you know, like in this business, you know, in order to win big, you got to bet big, and and uh, so I was really, I thought it was a calculated risk for me, and you know, I just kind of put my head down. You know, Greg Christopher, our athletic director, um, you know, he came in right after Chris met with the team, um, or with our players, and told him that he was leaving the rule. You know, he came up to my office and said, "Hey, listen, Trav, here's here's going to be the process." You know, we, you know, you know, obviously respect you. I think you do a great job, but obviously we have to do what's best for Xavier and the program. And 
So we're going to look at other candidates. You're going to be one of the candidates as long as you would want to be, uh, want to go through the process. Um, you know, but you know, we're going to interview guys down at the down at San Antonio, down at the Final Four. And, you know, you're thinking in the back of your mind, like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You know, and honestly, you know, and uh, and Sean Miller gave me this piece of advice. He said, honestly, just put your head down. Do not listen to anything or anyone. Don't get on social media. Just put your head down and, you know, just, you know, go back to your own business, prepare for your interview. And, you know, and that's like I I even told my brother this during the time frame, too. It's, you know, I feel like I've had a, uh, I'd had a six-year interview with Drake, Christopher. He knew me. I knew him really well. He goes on every road trip. He's in on film. He, he, he loves, you know, he's always involved in recruiting, likes to know what's going on and stuff. So, you know, he knew kind of what he was getting, but he also wanted to see, you know, like, hey, all right, what uh, what is going to be my vision for this program? How are we going to take it to the next level? Which, again, like you said, every coach, whether it was Bob Stack, Pete Gillen, Skip Prosser, you know, uh, obviously Thad Mata, Sean Miller, Chris Mack, every coach has continued to grow the program. <laughs> and, you know, Xavier, and obviously, you know, our administration uh, deserves a lot of that credit for getting us, helping us go from the MCC to the A-10, obviously to the Big East as well, which is obviously, you know, Help grow the program as well. Um, you know, he wanted to hear my vision, and and I had to be able to articulate that to him in a very very clear way. And uh, you know, so we're down in San Antonio. I interviewed for the job, right? And you know, you're always kind of waiting around. And, and you know, then I was I was going to fly back right after my interview to be with my wife and my son. I got a little five, a little six year old boy. And you know, Greg Christopher kind of said to me on the way out, said, "Hey, you may want to stay an extra day." Don't know where this thing's heading, so you know I didn't have any clothes. <laughs> I didn't have an extra set of clothes. I had to go buy some clothes at a little mall right there in San Antonio. And uh, what'd you buy? Man, I was fortunate. You know, I I, I bought a little Nike half zip, and uh, I bought some khaki Nike Nike little khaki pants because I was afraid. Like, hey, you know what? If Greg Christopher calls me and says, "Hey, I want to meet with you," I I have to look decent. Right. <laughs> and like I said, I didn't have any clothes. I had to go buy deodorant, you know, tooth, toothbrush, toothpaste, the whole deal. Um, and and Greg, uh, Greg called me and said, said the next morning I was out on a run there in San Antonio, and he called me and said, "Hey, do you have? You know, I want to meet up. Can you meet in thirty minutes?" So I ran as fast as I could. I, I probably I don't know how fast I was running back to the hotel. <laughs> I think I, I mean I, I don't know if I could run a five minute mile, but it felt like I was. Uh, so I went back there, and I didn't even have time to shower. I threw on some my new clothes, and I was ready for them. And the first time I ever thought that I wasn't getting the job was that moment. Why? Because I was like, dang. Like, all of a sudden, I peeked out my window of my hotel, and I saw Greg Christopher walking with the uh, two of the uh, associate athletic directors here, Xavier. And I'm like, dang. I was like, here's the moment. So I called my wife real quick. I said, hey, listen, we're probably going to know in the next 15 minutes whether I'm getting a job or not. She's like, oh, my God. She started getting all, you know, so then I'm, I'm waiting up in my room, and, and Greg Christopher knocks on the door, and there he is. And, and uh, he sits down, and, and then all of a sudden he uh, he offered me the job, and obviously I took that before he <laughs> Before you could spit it all out, man, I was I said yes. <laughs> so and really, and then, really okay, so, so, so you're so, 
So your your first call is to your wife. First call is to my wife, and then uh, obviously I, t- I spoke with our president of our university, Father Graham, and then uh, and then what the next thing I did, you know, Greg wanted to announce it, and then I called, you know, obviously Chris Mack and Sean Miller and my brother, anybody, Kelvin Simpson, anybody that's had a had a big influence on my career, man. And I made sure that I uh, said thank you to those guys because without those guys, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So you 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 get the job. Um, what was first, putting together a staff or figuring out players? You know what? It was when I when I called Sean Miller. He said, "Hey, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. He said, you can get a million text messages." He said, "Like you have to just basically focus on three things, and these are the three things that I focused on all spring." Number one was our current players, which I'd already had a relationship with, obviously. I, I coached and recruited them. Um, I knew their parents, you know, so I called each of the players. I wanted to flew back immediately from San Antonio to Cincinnati to be with those guys. Um, and then the second focus was, obviously, was recruiting. Like, we had a lot of scholarships available. Um, and we only had a couple visits. We had, we had three official visits, and we had, like, six or seven open spots. On our on our roster, um, which you can do the math. That's not a very good roster that I have. So we needed players for this year, um, for this for the upcoming season. Um, and then third was, and probably the most important thing is what you just said is hiring a great staff. And that's probably the most important thing you can do as a head coach is putting putting really good people around you. Um, how uh, what's what's the what's the tr- is there a trick to like uh, I when I saw you guys rolling the year against Evansville. I felt like you were still trying to figure out, like Najee, for example, super talented kid, but there was a little bit of challenge there in terms of getting him completely bought into to what you're doing. Whereas late in the year, I mean, I remember the, the game that kind of turned your season was that Creighton game. Like he was a he was a yep. different player. Um, what's the challenge like in being like when you're assistant, you have one role. You're a head coach, you have a different role. How did how did you kind of evolve through the year? You know, I think number one, you just got to be who you are and be true to who you are. And I think, I think guys, they see right through um, people that are fake or try to be different than who they are. You know, try to be somebody else that they're not. Um, you know, so I, I just tried to be the same person I was as I was an assistant coach. And you know, I think we all grew as as uh, staff, players, program this year um, as the season went on. And and you know, like Najee, for instance, he's never been. He's never been asked to be a featured guy at this level. Like last, you know, his freshman year, he had a really nice freshman year. Um, but we had Trayvon Blue, J.P. Nakira, Karen Cantor, Kaiser Gates, Sean O'Mara. We had a bunch of dudes that we played through. We didn't really, we didn't play through Najee. And all of a sudden, you're one of the focal, you know, focal points on a scouting report um, for every team. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a big change. And you know, Najee had to figure that out. Um, he had to trust the offense, trust me, trust our new staff. Um, and I think that trust uh, got stronger and stronger as the year went on. And I think he learned how to be a guy, a playthrough guy. Learned how to be a guy that could facilitate to others. Learned how to be a guy that could create his own shot. You know, like because he's talented enough to do it, obviously. But it is a big adjustment at this level because you think about it. Like Evansville's got a terrific coaching staff. All these guys, you know, uh, Creighton did as well. I mean, Coach, you know, Coach McDermott's one of the best in the entire country, and. uh you know, so you're playing against really good, really good coaches and really good players throughout the year. And I thought Najee really grew as the year went on, and he finished the year really strong. Ended up being a second team All Conference guy. 
You, you know, it's, we, we were talking earlier about how basketball has changed. If you went back to when I played or how early 2000s, you guys had a great, you have a great lineup, right? You got two bigs, so you can post double, right? With, uh, with yep. Tariq and, and with, with uh, Hankins, right? Like that's a, right? If having two bigs and then having a mobile kind of hybrid 3-4 in Marshall. Um, but like shooting and spacing is so different now that it becomes really, it was a, I think it was a really big challenge for you. In hindsight, like, I don't know if you don't take a Zach Hankins because he's a D2 player of the year, and, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, and you take Wellage as a grad transfer and Castlin as a grad transfer. Can, can you be more selective? Not in that they're not bad kids, but just, hey, here's what we need. We need more shooting and space more than we need more size. Could you... Is, is that something in the future that you kind of try and figure out in uh, kind of a little bit like we talked about with Chris Kramer, not just picking toughness above athletic talent, but also how it fits in with, with your, your current players. Yeah, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Like the, the pieces have to fit together and our team this year, quite honestly, probably didn't fit together real well. And we had to throw it together last spring um, as quickly as possible because uh, we had so many open scholarships, but you're right. I mean, the game has changed, you know, it, you don't see, um, very often, two big guys like Pinkins and Tyreek playing together at this level. You just don't play college basketball anymore. And, you know, like if you do, if you see a 6'9 guy, usually you get a guy that can really stretch and shoot. <laughs> and maybe he can defend inside and rebound a little bit. But, you know, Tyreek and Zach are both guys that would operate five feet in. You know, so our spacing on the floor, it was, it was, we didn't have a whole lot of spacing on the floor when we had those two guys on the floor together. Um, but at the same time, I knew. That was our, those were our five best players. You know, yep. Tyreek and, and Zach were in there. Um, so we had to play differently. So we, we would run much different stuff offensively um, when, when we had those two guys in compared to when we had Ryan Wellick at the four or Anaj Marshall at the four. I think you can get a lot more creative. The more spacing you have on the floor and the more shooters you have on the floor, the more creative you can get and the more things yep. you can do. And yeah. You know, like, again, like, and that's the way the game's you know, changed. And obviously, the way we're recruiting, that, that's exactly what we're doing now. We're, if, if you can't, it's, it's hard to play this game um, if you can't shoot with the way the game's played now. And, you know, it's, I it's think funny. You can I, get away, I think you can get away with having one guy. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah, better be yeah. special, though. Like, you, you know, there's not many rondos out there. But, I mean, but, like, but you also, like you also, I, and I was, you also, you also have to be able to guard though, too, right? Like, it's like you can oh, maybe absolutely. get away with one, one guy a little bit, but you can't get away with more than one yeah. guy that, 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 that can't guard. Correct. You better be able to guard in space and you better be able to make shots. And I think, you know, that's what everybody's looking for. And it's just those versatile guys, guys, like size guys. It's what Villanova's had. It's what we try to recruit to. Um, when, we, when we brought in the 2014 class of Edmund Sumner, um, J.P. McCura, and Trayvon Blewett, and those guys, like shooting, skill, like size guys, and kind of versatile guys, you know, just players, you know, and and uh, you know, Najee kind of fits that. I mean, he, he's got, he's got to become a better shooter, and he has become a better shooter. Um, but like the more versatile guys you have on the floor, it just changes the space, it changes the pace that you're able to play at um, as well. Um, and that is the way the game is played. So we were obviously trying to recruit that way and recruit yeah. to that style of play. Um, but we just kind of had to figure it out this year as best as we possibly could. You, 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 you took over a job and you said everybody's taking it to a higher level. 
I mean, like the only higher level than where you where it's been is a Final Four. Our, I'll just tell you, like our guys at Fox, obviously we cover the the Big East. All of us, kind of, whether it was Lav or Jimmy Jackson or Nick Baugh or or Raf, we we're all like, man, Travis actually, Travis actually taken on a way harder job at Xavier than any of his predecessors because all of those other guys were successful. They've all gone on to b- bigger things, but they all were. You know, you, like when you're in the A10, Xavier was far and away the most most invested program in the A10. The fans are great. The facilities are great. You were just uh, the proximity to players was great. Like you had it kind of going on. Whereas now, you, when you're you took a job that was a one seed in a league, and look, the Big East does not have Cuse in Louisville and Notre Dame and, yeah. and, and 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 you know UConn anymore, but. You know, you had a team that one that's won two of the last three national championships. There are at least programs that are have like amount of investment. Um, how much more challenging was it for you than it was when you were part of Mac staff taking over for Sean Miller? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's challenging. I mean, you think about the Big East, the coaches that are in our league, the, the, the programs, the, the players. Man, I mean, it is. You can't hide. You can't fake it at this level. You know, like it's a, uh, you need dudes that are talented, you need dudes that are invested, you need, you need guys that are obviously good for your culture, but like, you can't fake it. And I mean, if you try to fake it at this level, you're going to get your butt kicked. And, and, uh, you know, so obviously there was a lot of challenges with that, you know, because obviously I know we, we, we knew that we were going to lose a lot off last year's team. Um, when we were the one seed, we were big East regular season champs, you know, I mean, we, we lost a lot. Um, but I also knew we had kind of a core of young guys that were pretty talented, you know. And, right. And but the, the weird thing, man, for Xavier is uh, here we've always been as good as our seniors are. Always, you know, during my entire my entire time here, and we didn't have any seniors. Like when I say seniors, like guys that have been here, you know, for either the whole time or even two years or three years. We had to bring in three grad transfers. Those were our, those were our three. Seniors this past year, yeah. Guys those, and the senior before. night was interesting. Yeah, and that made it really unique. And like that, so we knew it was going to be kind of a hodgepodge. I knew we'd get better late if our guys could stick with it because we had so many new guys and, and new guys and new roles and a new staff. Um, you know, I knew it was going to be a big challenge. And obviously, you know, Chris Mack had a challenge too. I mean, like that. You know, now we were talented. We had a lot of talent um, and stuff like that. You know, when Chris took over, but. I mean, there's always challenges, man. I don't know if mine's harder than, 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 than the next guys, but, you know, we just tried to attack as best as we possibly could, man. I'm fortunate to have the staff that, that we have here, and, and, uh, and they did a great job this year. Um, I, I think Luke, is, Luke Murray is going to get a, a head coaching job. He's um, a stud. He's a stud. What, what, I mean, obviously, those of us who know him, and I know him pretty well, it's, it's always interesting. Like, I had... Um, I've gotten to know Richard Pitino pretty well. And like, again, like Richard Pitino, you would think like son of Rick, you know, you think he was, he grew up entitled and arrogant, like dude is self-deprecating and super enjoyable to be around Luke, obviously like, right. Like you go up and your dad is one of the funniest men in the history of the business, right? You're like, you almost like do something funny, but he's just, he's just a very normal rate for people who don't know Luke. What's he like on a daily basis? He's just a normal guy. He really is. Like he is a he's a, number one. He's a he's a great dude. He was awesome to work with. Uh, he works really hard, really hard, very competitive. 
Um, dude, I, I, everybody likes him. Players love him. People love to work with him. I mean, like I said, man, he's a, uh, he's a good dude. He's intelligent. He is going to make a great head coach. Not a good head coach, man. He's got a, he's got a really, really, really bright future. Uh, all right, so I have a, I got a couple questions here from, uh, from uh, the Twitter world. Uh, Brian Snow says, most obvious question, you know B. Snow, why would you pick a coach without a personality to be on your podcast? Your response is? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Uh, you know what? You know, Snow is a uh, great, great story about Brian Snow. So he was in my wedding. All right? And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't tell many people that, but I'll, I'll, I'll put it out here. So this guy. You just told everybody that, up. by the way. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I know. I, this guy shows up at the, uh, at the rehearsal. And all of a sudden, I looked down at his pants. I said, hey, no, no, no. You still got your, like, the, you know how they put that little security thing on, on, the, uh, on your clothes sometimes? Yes. You walk out of the store. Yes, like, no, yes, no yes. Going off. Well, he still had his on his pants. And I said, my man, you can't come to the you can't do pictures and all that stuff. You got this big old thing on your, on your pants. Like, he was in such a rush to get there. He was late to everything. My wife was losing her mind. You know, about Brian saying, where's he at? Where's he at? And I said, Brian, you're getting me in trouble. I, all I have to do is be here on time, get your, have your clothes on, be ready to roll. And uh, my man shows up with a security thing on his pants, shows up about 30 minutes late. My wife's all over my butt. I mean, God. Sometimes where'd, you get mar- where, where'd you get married? In Cincinnati here. My wife's from here. No, but where specifically? I mean, we're, we're, we're not, uh, we can't crash the wedding. The wedding's already taken place. Yeah, it's, already, <laughs> it's called Green Acres. Like a, it was an outdoor uh, wedding, and it was a beautiful setting. My wife set it all up. I had nothing to do with it. I just yeah, showed that, up that was... <laughs> and smiled. <laughs> you, you, that's, that's all you're supposed to do. You're supposed to. See, yep, that sounds like a good idea. Oh yes, that that sounds that sounds <laughs> that, that sounds great. Um, this is actually from a retire fifty two uh, two being uh, um, uh, old two holiday used to who played for you at what IU right and then. Came with you to yep. uh, to, to, to yep. Xavier. To Xavier. Uh, anyway, that that's the name of his uh, his Twitter handle. He wanted me to ask you about what Rick Barnes did in their second round game, where Admiral Schofield said he he wanted to, he wanted another dude, to, another cat. To, have you ever heard of that? Where Admiral Schofield's like, no, 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 go with another guy. He's playing better than me. Shows you how great of a teammate he is. You know, guys that can that can uh, understand it's, it's bigger than you. It's all about winning, and honestly. That shows you, I mean, like, obviously he's an incredible player. You read all the articles on him. On um, I know when I read an article on him, basically, when he came back, he wanted to be Rick Barnes' favorite player he's ever coached. That was his goal this year. I saw that quote, and I was like, wow. You know, for a guy like that to say that, he's not entitled. You could tell he appreciates being, playing at Tennessee, being coached by Rick Barnes. Man, the leadership of, of, uh, that he showed by doing that, and being selfless, that's why Tennessee's so good. Yeah. No, you are. I always, my, my brother told me a long time ago, I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, they lost to Duke in, I think it was 2010, when uh, there, there was a couple, one of their, Patrick Christopher, one of their players got his head split open. It wasn't called a foul. That's one of the things about playing against Duke. But um, I remember he said, he goes, he told me afterwards, like, Duke's going to win the whole thing. And I said, why do you say that? He said, um, uh, uh, Singler's their best player. Singler's their toughest player. He's like, look, man, you are who your toughest player is. You are who your excuse me. You are who your best player is. 
He goes, ask any coach. You are who think think about every team you've been on. Whatever your yeah. whatever your best player's personality is, that's what your team is, right? And he's like Kyle yep. Singler, is a tough motherfucker. Like he just he just he will not he will them to win. He'll guard you even though he can't move his feet. He'll keep you in front. He'll bat you if you're ever bored. Like he's their best player. That's the, all the other guys fall in line. And Admiral Schofield reminds me, like Admiral Schofield is tough, smart, selfless, respectful, right? That and 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 kind of a guy who brings everybody together. And that's who their team is. Is that fair? That is very fair. That's why they're good. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Purdue's taking on Tennessee, and I know you grew up as an IU guy, right? And I love what Painter's done with this team is amazing. Like losing four starters, and I mean four really, really good players, and really? now they have guys that just fit kind of roles perfectly. I do feel like that gets exposed. Like Grady Eifert's a great kid and a great story, and I hope his brother comes back healthy. Um, uh, for the you see, I think I think the Bengals did actually resign him, but I I, I just feel like that's a mismatch for Tennessee. How do you when you're preparing for a game, and you're like, for example, in this particular game, like Admiral Schofield against Grady Eifert, that feels like a bad mismatch. I saw Jordan Murphy really take it to Purdue at the Big Ten tournament. Kind of same reason they were just finding out who Eifert was guarding, and that's they were going right at him athletically. Uh, how do you try and how do you try and cover that up? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we try to do it with Ryan Wells this year. Every game is like, how do, how do we try to hide him a little bit, maybe? Um, but, you know, you got to figure out, again, like, what are you what are you trying to take away from Tennessee? You know, like, what what are you going to take away? Because they got a great, they got a lot of great players. I mean, Bone's a terrific player. Obviously, Admiral's a great player. Grant Williams a great player. Um, they got a lot of guys. you got to be able to take something away. I think that's where it starts. You know, what do you want to take away? And maybe it is Admiral. I don't know. You know, he's going to switch his ball screens. Is he going to try to post you? Is he going to trap when he goes to the post? Um, you know, you're going to play a little bit of zone to hide specific guys. Like, you know, like we try to hide Ryan Wells as much as possible on the defensive. And we play, you know, a lot of two, three zone. So people could not pick on him. We would not switch any ball screens with him either. We try to find a matchup. Maybe it was a guy, you know, that wasn't setting ball screens. So like we put Ryan on that guy, so he wouldn't get, so we could switch the other ones if that makes sense. Um, you know, so you got to try to get as creative as possible to hide certain guys and obviously exploit, so you don't get exploited uh, mismatch wise. Um, but then offensively, I think you always kind of look at it. You know, where where are the weaknesses? You know, what do you want to attack? You know, how are they guarding ball screens? How are they? How do they guard the post? Um, you know, are they a team that 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 you know floods to the ball on penetration, or do they stay at home a little bit more? You know what I mean? You start to look, how can you attack them on that end as well? Um, it'll be a heck of a game, man. you got two great coaches in that game now um, with Barnes and Painter. Um, yeah. Two very, obviously, very, very good teams. I want to ask you about um, about Michigan, and I'm asking you because you've coached against Villanova, and Villanova, there's a lot of similarities in terms of defensive style, right? Like I was talking yep. to the Texas Tech guys, and they're like, how do we beat these guys? And I said, well, like, look, last year, if you would have made layups against Villanova, you could have beat, you know, they gave Villanova their best game in the tournament. And he's like, and, and Beard and a couple of assistants are like, they're so physical. I said, well, that's exactly how Michigan plays. Michigan's fourth fewest fouls in college basketball. They foul you, but they don't get called for fouls because they use their lower body. And they do, they really, really load up on the basketball. And for, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, this is, you're kind of a basketball guy, but that's, you know, it's, it's, when you talk about flooding, I don't know if you call it flooding the lane or whatever. They, I, I've always been told is load into the basketball. What's, load what's the, the best, mm-hmm. uh, Leah, load the ball. So how do you, how do you beat that offensively? Cause you've, 
so many times and had success against it more at home, obviously, than, than in Philadelphia against Villanova? You know, I, I think I think number one, because like you said, like Michigan keeps it really tight on the floor, you know, like with because they have a big kid, Teske, right? And they try to they yeah. veer back or drop, you know, you know, whatever you want to call it, ball screen, defensive coverage, and, and they keep him, keep trying to keep him in the paint so he's a rim protector. And I think, again, you got to find ways to, to get teams in rotation. I think when you simplify offense, I think any good offense, is broken down to how can you, can you force rotation and can you force a closeout, right? And because Michigan, if you watch them, again, I've watched them casually. I have not really studied them this year. They, they, they are they, they, they have a lot of short closeouts, right? They're never really in full rotation, you know. But you got to try it. It's the same thing with like Villanova. Villanova will switch a lot of ball screens, or they'll veer back or drop, so they're not rotation ball screen defense wise. And I think you got to get them in rotation. <laughs> You know, that's the key because you think about the guards that they have, whether it's Xavier Simpson or Jordan Poole, they got some guards that can move their feet. So if it's just a one-on-one battle, that's advantage Michigan. Um, but as you know, like if we were to, if, if you and I were to play one-on-one guards at the top of the key, you'd probably beat me either way. But if me, <laughs> it'd be a lot easier to drive me if I was closing out on you from 10 feet. Right. Well, I, 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 I always thought, you know, I saw Michigan State, they used a lot of skip passes. Man, and, yep. and the thing they didn't use was flare screens as well. I, I, like, I like flare screens or fade screens, whatever you guys call Especially it. Especially when teams load to the ball. Yeah. Huh? Especially when, yeah. Like when you're saying, when they're loading to the ball, you got to pin them in, you know, and then skip and you can play, and then that gets you that closeout. So you always think of them as a coach, in my, at least I do offensively, how can we create closeouts? How can we create a long rotation? And, and then we can play. And then with a drive kick playing basketball, you know, just like you've done since since our guys were in fifth grade, and and uh, you know, so I think you're exactly right. I mean, pinning in on the weak side is really really good against a team like that, and you have to know when you drive the ball against a team like Michigan, you really have to move without the ball, and you got to do a great job moving off penetration, getting to open spots, being being ready to drive and kick because they are going to be physical, and if they don't help in and they stay at home. You better be. You better play off two feet. You know, like you can't. This isn't. I would tell you, plenty of Michigan's not a one foot game. You better play off of two feet, and you better be physical, um, and be able to play through contact. Cause like you said, they don't get called for fouls, and they do a great job of being legal and using their lower body and showing their hands. They're one of the best at it in college basketball. All right, uh, three more. Then I know you got you got to go. You got a life to live, uh, and and a program a program to take care of. Um, what what was what was the was there a moment this year where you're driving home from the arena and it felt it felt real right like i don't know if it was the nova win uh was there a moment where you drove home and you're like yeah this is this is what it's this is what i've been and you've know, been waiting your whole life to be a head coach the first head coaching gig you get is a good one but a challenging one losing two 2000 point scores I'm just wondering if there was a moment where you remember driving home going that, or, or your moment you're on the sideline where you look down and you see Jay, or you, the, 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 the Creighton overtime win, or even, even a loss where you're looking down at Georgetown and you're like Pat Ewing's down at the other sideline. Was there a moment where it, it clicked in how real this actually is? You know, it, honestly, it probably hasn't even fully clicked in yet, but, you know, like, again, like I would say, you know, the moment probably was you want to compete against Villanova. You know, obviously, they've won two national titles in the last three years. And Jay Wright's a terrific coach, and and, uh, and you're and you're competing against him, you know. And it's like, man, there's a uh, that's when it becomes real. And I, I tell you, when it became really real for me, Doug, 
was last year, last spring, when we were at the Big East meetings. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, you got Jay Wright in there, you got Pat Ewing, you got Chris Mullen, you got all these guys. It's like, it's real. And it's like, man, you start comparing your roster to their roster, and you know, and it's like, man, hey, this is what we got to get, man. Like, we got to to get this thing to the next level. Um, that's when it, that was, that was probably the first moment was at the Big East meetings last May. Just that sense of urgency, man, you got to, it is go time, man. And, uh, is, and my, go ahead. Is, is that if there's one thing you could change about your job or about college basketball, what would it be? One thing I would change. You know what? Um, it's interesting because we just played, uh, I'm going to give you a, a rule as far as the game goes. I, I think, Moving the three-point line back would be great because we just played them with NIT rules, right? And, mm-hmm. and I, I just think the more spacing on the floor, the better. And I think you're going to see even higher scoring games uh, when that happens. And I think eventually he'll do it, I would think. Um, I think, I, you know, they always use NIT as kind of experimental or whatever, you know, like little test. I think that that, that would be a good rule change. Uh, for the game. I like that one. I got, I got one for you. I like the... I would like the elimination of basket interference, not goaltending. Okay, goaltending is still goaltending, but when the ball is on the rim, why can't you yeah. compete for it? You can hit it off. I, like and and what yeah, people like don't that. understand, huh? Yeah, like if you ever uh, like coached that. when in, in those rules on a second free throw, balls rolling around, you could tip it out. On the other hand, if you tip it and actually it rolls in, it's actually two points, not one point. Yeah, I like it. Um, all right, last thing. I know you're you're excited because you you have an unbelievable recruiting class and you've had more time. How will Xavier look differently last year, next year from this year? You know, I think I think we started to be this way towards the end of the year. I thought we uh, we're going to be a really good defensive team, really good, and we better be a top. You know, it's funny, man. I'm a big Ken Pomeroy guy as far as all the rankings go and stuff. Like if if we would have over the last eleven games we would have been ranked as the 28th best defense in the country. Um, it, you know, if we just took the last 11 games of our season and we played against all NCAA tournament or NIT teams. Mm-hmm. So our defense got a lot better, man. I think with the guys that we're bringing in, we are going to be a tough, nasty team on defense. And then I just want to share the ball on the offensive end. You going to the final four, or you stay home. I am not going all the way. I'm going as if we, uh, when we, when we get Xavier there. So, I'm not. You're going. literally never. You're never going again until you till you go as a participant. Yeah, I mean, I went. I, I had to go last year. I had to get right. the job. <laughs> I usually never go. I usually yeah, never no. Go. You, you told us you went and bought you bought a pair of khakis. Have you saved those yeah. khakis or those special khakis? Are like the, those the only this is the job accepting khakis? Are they like everyday khakis? Yeah, or you never worn them again? I I, ha- I still have them. I still wear them. They're my good luck. Good luck there. Well, listen. I really appreciate your time, and uh, I I love I. I have so much respect for the grind that's gotten you to where you've gotten. And uh, like I said, we don't know each other well, but everybody I know swears on you. So uh, swears by you. So congrats on what I, what I actually thought was an outstanding first year, not just because of how it finished, but because, Hey, a lot of guys would have, if I would have come up to you mid year, they would have said, ah, F these guys. I don't like this team. Wait till next year or whatever you didn't. You kept fighting and grinding and got those guys, you know, advanced them in the NIT a little bit, which, that, that's what it's about, getting the most out of what you have and, and looking forward towards the next year. So uh, congratulations, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. 
All right, that's going to do it for All Ball. Enjoy the Sweet 16. Continue to tweet me out all your questions. We'll get into next week. Plus, we'll be at the Final Four next week for the radio show. The radio show, by the way, is daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to Fox Sports Radio. We also have a Sirius XM channel. I think it's 217 and 203. Check that out. In the meantime, hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'm Doug Gottlieb. You're listening to All Ball. diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.